0: Well, friends, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. My name is Adam, and this is easily the best night of the year to be the senior pastor at our church. When we look at the nativity scene, it's a collection of unlikely friends. You have Mary and Joseph who are bewildered new parents. You have shepherds, fresh off of the job. You have a choir of angels, and later you have wise men that visited from the East. These are people from vastly different backgrounds that all came together to worship Jesus. And that's a picture of the vision at our church, a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. We believe it's vital that in such a divided world, we could experience unity here in our church through our love of Christ. Now to have a little fun with that, we we tried to settle a controversy tonight. And I don't know if there's this debate in your home or amongst your friends, but people feel passionately about, do you prefer a real tree or an artificial tree? And so we're offering you all the chance to text in And and weigh in, text the word TREE to 816-640-4990. I even tried to be sensitive with my language. I didn't want to use the word real tree because an artificial tree is still real. It's just not a living organism. So I wanted to be sensitive to that. And so you can help uh, represent your preference here uh, throughout the service. We're going to have that tally going all night. My guess is that a lot of us have either already traveled or will be traveling For the holidays, and I think especially at Christmas, airports are a uh, unique environment, right? Because by definition, no one wants to be there. We're all trying to be somewhere else, and so we get really frustrated, and it is frustrating if flights get canceled or things are delayed, but we lose sight of how amazing air travel is, right? You're you're going 500 miles per hour over 30,000 feet in the air, and we get real grumpy if the Wi-Fi isn't working right. Right? We, technology can kind of spoil us. It makes us take things for granted. That's what modern life does. Now, when I was growing up, this was the pinnacle of handheld gaming, the Game Boy from 1989. <laughs> can you even see Mario on there? I don't know if you can even make that out. And kids, like, forget about trying to play like in a long car ride at night because this thing didn't light up at all. So to play the Game Boy, you had to like use a sundial and get it at like the proper angle in order to play it. So compare what I had growing up with this Mario game which was released earlier this year on the Switch. No comparison, right? And so kids, my question to you is, do you even know how good you have it? (laughs) And how did I get so old so quickly? Right, technology makes us take things for granted. I wonder if anyone else has had a medical procedure that was an outpatient. Technology has made these so much more common and it's amazing what people can have done, and then be just out and about the very next day. It's incredible. So I'm amazed at uh, how quick something new and appreciated simply becomes the new standard. I think we can all relate as Chiefs fans uh, to say we've, we've been spoiled the past five seasons. So I've crunched some numbers and would like to present these to you. We're gonna take a trip back to the before times. From 2007 to 2012, If your name was Tyler, it was not gonna be good, right? And so these five quarterbacks combined in a total of 93 games for a win percentage of .337. Let's compare that with the first 93 games of our man Pat's career. And over the same 93 games, his winning percentage as a starting quarterback is 774. That's double, is that good? I think that's good. That's good, right? So let's let's have a little perspective next time we want to throw the remote at the television or jump on our text thread to yell about the Chiefs with our friends or complain online. We need to consider that maybe we still do have it good. Friends, a challenge in life is appreciating things that we've gotten used to. And the technical term for this is habituation. That's the diminishing of a physiological or emotional response to a frequently repeated stimulus. In other words, the more we're around something, the more we get used to it. The more we're around something, the less intense our response. And I think habituation definitely happens at Christmas. We get out the same decorations, we make the same casserole, we watch the same movies, and if we're not careful, we can hear the same message. The enemy of Christmas, if there is one, is not secular culture or commercialism. It's over familiar, habituated apathy of Christians. Ooh, Adam put on a blazer and he's serious all of a sudden. (laughs) The enemy of Christmas, if there is one, is not secular culture or commercialism. It's the fact that Christians kind of just take the story for granted. We're habituated to it. In our scripture, we're gonna read about some people who heard this good news for the first time and we can see their reaction. We'll be reading from Luke. That's one of the four gospels that open up the second half of the Bible, which is called the New Testament. And these gospels are called so because that word means good news. And so these four biographies of Jesus contain the good news of his life and his, his teachings and his death and his resurrection. And it all started with his birth. So this is Luke chapter 2, and we'll start with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Now, almost every time an angel converses with a person, one of the first things they tell them is, do not be afraid. That's because, I think we can assume, the people were really scared. This was not something they were used to. It would have been a very scary thing and people acted accordingly to have an encounter with an angel. So these shepherds were certainly not habituated to an angelic encounter. It's a new thing for them. So let's read on. I bring you good news, the angel said, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So this good news announced by the angel, it's a multi-layered statement. David was Israel's greatest king. And it was also promised that a savior would come from the city of Bethlehem and out of David's line. Those prophecies are in the first half of the Bible called the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, we read, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. That's from the book of Micah. We also read in the book of Jeremiah that in those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And so the angel is connecting things that were promised in the Old Testament with what was happening in the shepherd's midst right now. The angel continued, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds had a sense of urgency, didn't they? You ever invite somebody to something and they kind of give you a, a neutral response? Like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Well, is that, is that a yes or no? Oh, I'll try to make it. Well, let's, I don't know what to do with that. See, the shepherds could have chosen after the angel went back just to get back to work. They could have finished their shift, but that's not what they did. They didn't just try to make it. They acted with urgency. They hurried off in response to their encounter with the angel. And when they had seen him, baby Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So they didn't just hurry and see what had happened, they also shared it with others as well, and all who heard it were amazed. We get a lot of information about where the shepherds were working, what they were doing, we hear about the message that the shepherds received, and we see how the shepherds reacted. What we don't know is how long did it last it wouldn't be for another 30 years or so that Jesus grew up and went public, so to speak. And so were these shepherds decades later amazed the same way they were that first night of his birth? There's no way for us to know. What we do know is that there were plenty of folks who interacted with Jesus and thought, eh, I'll pass. After telling an impressively rich young man that he would need to love God more than his stuff, We read that the rich young man went away sad for he had many possessions. Once Jesus was teaching and a whole big crowd of us, it'd be like if a third of us just got up and left. We turned on the air conditioner. And so many people just walked away from Jesus that he turned to his his inner circle, his closest 12 followers and he said to them, you don't wanna leave too, do you? Jesus compared his coming in a story he told to a great banquet. That everyone was invited to, but all people gave them was excuses. I've just bought a field and I need to go see it. Somebody else wanted to take their new oxen for a spin. And someone else got married and so they need to write thank you notes and can't make it. Even while Jesus was on the planet, some people could take it or leave it. The life-changing teaching, the miracles, the revolutionary good news about God's entrance into the world. They got used to it. They weren't that impressed. When the angel announced this to the shepherds, it was good news that will cause great joy. And the shepherds hurried off and the people that they shared it with afterwards, each one of them was amazed. Our challenge is to receive this news at Christmas with joy instead of the apathy of habituation. That's our choice. Friends, the longer we get acquainted with something, Typically, the less we appreciate it. You know who doesn't have a problem, who doesn't need a lot of pointers experiencing joy? Kids. This is my daughter Betsy. Her teacher took this picture earlier this month at a field trip to Crown Center. Now, my daughter Betsy's been to Crown Center plenty of times, but as you can see, there was no joy subtracted just because she had done it before. Maybe this is part of what Jesus meant when he said that unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And what is it that needs to change about us as we grow old to become more like a child? I think it's our willingness to be led. I think we need to grow and become like a child in order to rely on someone larger than us who knows best. And children have an ability to be as joyful about something the first time as they do the hundredth time. Author and theologian G.K. Chesterton put this brilliantly when he said, Because children have abounding vitality, because they are fierce in spirit and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until they are nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all poinsettias alike. It may be that God makes every poinsettia separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Friends, let's celebrate the birth of our savior by becoming like a child. We may find ourselves worn by the weariness of the world. There are plenty of reasons to respond to this good news with habituate apathy. Been there, done that, meh. I've been told the kids say mid, trying to learn. It's mid. That's what's behind door number one. Apathy. Eh, take it or leave it. It's 532. When's dinner? Or we can choose to hear the story again as if for the first time. Jesus was born once in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago, but God's joy in sending us a Savior is renewed every day. I believe as we come to the communion table, as we light a candle and sing a song about that first night so long ago that God receives it as if for the first time and says, do it again. Friends, may the joy of Christmas be yours. And everybody said, amen.